Welcome to today's edition of Daytime Dialogues. It's my great pleasure to go back to camp today. Uh, as many of you know, I grew up at Camp Mosheva, and my family grew up at Camp Mosheva, and some of my grandchildren now are there as well, and in other camps as well. And the person I was able to convince to come on, not with not a lot of effort, was Jeremy Fingerman, who's the CEO of the Foundation for Jewish Camp for the past 12 years. His background is fascinating. Uh, he was in 2005 also the CEO of Manashevitz, which must be an interesting jump from Manashevitz over to camp. Uh, he grew up in Camp Ramon, Wisconsin, uh, with an MBA in uh, general management from Harvard Business School. And he lives in Fort Lee, New Jersey. And the best part about it is, uh, I guess, when you work in Jewish camps, you have to be able to write what your favorite thing is. And so he and I kind of enjoy Capture the Flag, which I discovered is getting ready for today. So thank you so very much, Jeremy, for joining me. Pleasure, Rabbi. Thanks for having me. It's really, it's great because camp is really what the summers are supposed to be all about. I, uh, at, at school, I always tell the kids, why do you want to take summer school? Go to camp. It's more fun. It, do you, yeah. <laughs> well, I was going to say, yeah, absolutely. Uh, and, and even more so this year, like kids need time to just be kids, to be outdoors, to, to just enjoy uh, youth. And uh, they need it now more than ever before. But for sure, that's uh, uh, the real benefit of, of camp. And I think also about being independent from home. Uh, again, much needed now, but the benefit of uh, uh, it, learning independence, learning uh, how to be a part of a team and to collaborate and, you know, but on your own, I think uh, cr critical lessons that you learn at camp that stay with you for your life. This year is, I guess, the second year we can say is a year like no other for, for the camps, the Jewish camps in the, in the country because of COVID. Last year, some opened. Most, my impression was that most did not open. Most did not open, yeah. A vast majority of camps. There were some day camps that opened at least for part of the summer. There were some overnight camps, a few in Wisconsin, a few in Maine, uh, a few here and there. The great thing about those that did open is they shared learnings that then has allowed us to uh, uh, allowed the whole field to really learn what worked and what didn't last year. There, there were some not uh, there were some uh, let's call them other faith based camps that did operate last year and closed down because they had rash outbreaks. Um, so there was a lot of learning about those that operated and were able to uh, do it successfully that's helped inform uh, everybody this year. And the vast majority of camps all have opened uh, this year. Um, a few in Canada did not, some of the provinces of Canada did not allow it, but in America, every state allowed. And, and uh, I would say, you know, certainly all the Jewish camps have opened um, successfully. My impression is that there was this pent up demand this year for kids to get out and to go to camp. Is, is, are the numbers up or is it just the percent? So it, it's, uh, I, I suspect that's right, but uh, uh, there are two factors that you got to keep in mind. In some states, there are, there are COVID restrictions around occupancy, uh, either separation of, of uh, within bunks or uh, within dining, uh, that sort of thing. We were fortunate, our foundation, to, to address that. We were able to raise... And, and award grants of uh, just shy of $4 million to about 50 different camps to help them uh, construct uh, or rent uh, temporary equipment, 
some in some cases uh, tents, in some cases uh, um, you know uh, extra sunshades, and and that sort of thing to uh, allow them to have more uh, to accommodate more kids, at least under their state. Uh, restrictions. Um, the, the other piece as it relates to enrollment, uh, many camps had trouble finding counselors. And so uh, that actually became sort of the, the, the challenge on, around capacity and, 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 and serving more kids. You were limited by the number of staff you could uh, recruit. Why, why do you think there's a problem with getting staff? Well, uh, a number of reasons. COVID-related would be uh, one of the secrets of operating in the COVID world from, from last summer that camps uh, employed for this year was creating a bubble. That once you uh, get to camp and you successfully come in uh, with, uh, uh, you know, having been tested and certainly the staff had been vaccinated, but uh, as the campers came in, the policy for most camps was you can't, once you're in, you can't leave. If you leave, you can't come back in. Um, and so what, what happened, uh, many of the camps told their staffs when they were hiring, they were gonna create a bubble and that staff was not gonna be able to leave uh, and on a day off. So they would create other activities. Um, they made accommodations and have tried hard to make it a, you know, still a, um, an attractive, you know, experience for the staff, but a lot of uh, people didn't want to do that. There's also pressure on kitchen staff and others um, that uh, they were not able to hire. In some cases, I, I'm told some states, um, people that they would have norm locals that they might have normally hired in their kitchen uh, were in a state they hadn't been vaccinated and they didn't want to wear masks. And so the camp said, well, we're not going to hire them. So the camps have then had to find either volunteers or others to come in and take those roles. Well, and shifting specifically to your role over the last 12 years, a foundation for Jewish camp is, is an interesting idea. It used to be that everyone was on their own. And apparently your foundation has really brought this issue of philanthropy for Jewish camps to the forefront. Rabbi, very, very much so. I think uh, before uh, our foundation was created in 1998, it really was everybody. It was a a nice field, uh, but uh, no, it wasn't really a field. It was a group of uh, lots of independent operators, uh, in, in independent camps. Um, and beginning in 1998 with uh, the creation of the foundation, uh, the field became unified. Uh, I think the, the efforts were galvanized by the work uh, of, of Foundation for Jewish Camp as a central hub and resource and advocate for the field. Um, and the statistics are pretty staggering. There's oh, we've almost there's been a 40% increase in, in the number of campers. There's been a, a, like a two thirds, 60% increase in the number of camps in the last 25 years. There are uh, uh, our, a program we started called One Happy Camper, $1,000 off your first summer at camp. Now um, has given out uh, th as of this year, 100,000 first time camper grants, uh, which is $100 million of philanthropic support uh, that we put in, the Foundation for Jewish Camp raised and put in 50 million of that, and then local communities stepped up. And that's really the secret of our foundation was getting uh, philanthropists, federations, um, foundations to really value the 
critical Jewish identity building and community building that happens in Jewish camp, uniquely in Jewish camp, and uh, to then invest in that. And that investment has been uh, substantial. Um, I calculated, I think our foundation has, has raised and distributed probably over $260 million in that time. The final statistic, I, it's, it's almost 600,000 unique campers in that it was 23 years is it's, it's a huge enterprise really when you think about Listen, it given the population of the united states and the jewish population of the united states 600,000 is a massive percentage it is and 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 that's like it, it, um, at any one summer uh, we would have somewhere in uh, you know maybe 80 80 to 90,000 campers in, in, in overnight camp. And then in day camps, it's another, you know, probably 80 to, to 70 to 80,000 day campers. But um, the statistic I gave you for overnight camp, in any one season, let's say it's 80,000 campers, but it's over time that a kid has gone, has had the experience, may, may go once or, you know, return two or three years, and then they're out but a new fresh crop uh, comes in. Every year, these camps have to recruit new campers. Now, is the growth of camps different in the different denominations? For example, are there more growing in the Orthodox movement? Is there more growing just in general? It's a great question. I, I, I think the Orthodox community has certainly grown. Um, uh, a lot of Chabad, Gan Israel, uh, both started in day camps and then they've opened uh, overnight camps. But uh, even Mosheva, the Mosheva uh, field has, has grown. Um, your son's good work out in, uh, in California as well. And now there's Mosheva by year, the day camps that uh, hopefully provide a great summer experience for, for those kids and then eventually connect them to the uh, Moshevot, um, you know, across North America. I, I, I would say though, the Ramah movement has grown substantially, the URJ, the reform camps have grown. One of the uh, big programs we've run for the last uh, decade has been what we call the specialty camp incubator. We've uh, funded with the generous funding from the Jim Joseph Foundation, the Avichai Foundation, the start of and launch of 17 new overnight camps all with a specialty. So it could be sports or, or outdoor adventure or, or uh, oceanography, surfing, uh, creative arts, sci-tech. Um, and these camps uh, were shorter in duration, two weeks at a time, at least one session. Um, but the, and, and they were really more targeted to teens. They've, they've actually done far better than that, but they were targeted to hold on to a kid who wanted a skill building experience at a high quality with high quality uh, mentors and leaders, but um, and maybe weren't going to get that at a traditional camp. So they would have come out of the Jewish camp system to attend a, a non-Jewish option. We've now provided a Jewish option. Of the 17 camps that we funded and started, 14 uh, were operating in 2019. Um, I think one or two, uh, one more dropped uh, as a result of COVID. But uh, anyway, the track record's been uh, been amazing. So if you go back to your day or my day back in uh, Mosheva or Ramah, and you compare it to nowadays, how have camps changed? Look, uh, there's been significant upgrades in facilities uh, and uh, 
I think that's number one with a philanthropic investment and to keep up that uh, the industry has improved. Um, so first I'd start with the physical um, facilities. Secondly, the staffs are, I think, uh, where you might've been maybe the Jewish educators, but in some cases, social workers, um, and maybe just a one full-time staff member now camps, the, the camps we're talking about, the Jewish camps in particular, have a number of staff members that are working full-time. It's a, a valued and serious profession. And, uh, and they certainly share with one another. One of the secrets in the Midwest, an initiative we have, uh, we call the Midwest Camp Leadership Network, where not only do the camp directors get together with frequency, but their development directors, their assistant directors, their operations directors, there's incredible sharing of knowledge and skills and collaboration that didn't exist, say, uh, you know, a generation or two ago. Um, so I think that's uh, the, the second area. And the third area is an upgrade, not just in facilities, but the skills of the, let's say, specialists. So that uh, I think skill building is an important thing, even in the traditional camps. And, and, and the realization is you have to have a high quality tennis program and tennis pro in addition to the high quality uh, and intentional Judaic, uh, uh, Judaic program and content. But you still have captured the flag. You know, we have we have to have some things still the same. Some things uh, <laughs> still are critical, and uh, yes, I, I I think if there and there are some adult camps uh, that are growing in popularity, and I know really? capture the flag is a is is uh, still a um, you know quite a highlight for those. Yeah. One of those games that you have to have, but some doesn't always go well along the way. So if you're dreaming forward five, 10 years, where's the foundation putting its greatest efforts once we're past this COVID crisis? Well, so first, in, even in COVID, what we've found, uh, what we're saying is camps are going to need to rebuild pipelines. I call it rebuilding pipelines. It's pipelines for campers because, because of COVID, you lost new campers in 2020 and, and then you have... 2021, but it's sort of, and every year you have to bring in new campers to sort of fill fill the uh, fill the bucket. Um, so we've got to rebuild that pipeline. We've we talked about the number of campers. We think enrollment is quite strong, but in some cases it was uh, reduced because of COVID. So um, we think there's probably been one and a half times the number of new campers that you would normally get in a given year, but it wasn't two times. We didn't make up all of the people that we lost in 2020. So campers for counselors, again, I, I mentioned, but counselors too are, are falling out and you don't have as many that are, were returning campers. So that uh, counselors, so that's an issue. And then the pipeline for staff, we, we, there's such exhaustion and burnout among the Jewish camp professionals. I'd say, you know, all professionals, all of us are feeling it, but uh, especially for the field of camp where they've gone you know, 22 months, this, at least they're back at camp, but this summer is a struggle. It's hard. So we call it rebuilding pipelines and we've got to do it. That's going to be probably the next two or three years. And then looking uh, more broadly, affordability of Jewish life is still um, very much at risk. And, and so I think that's a, a key issue that we have to face. Um, and then continued uh, improvements of the program and the facilities. I, I think long-term, 
there's still always going to be a role for camp. People are going to want to be outdoors. People can't, can't build community. And as a Jewish community, we don't have that many growth industries. This is, I, I, I forgot to mention, if you look at the last decade um, alone, we've grown uh, 10, the enrollment grew 20%. Now that's 2% a year. It's slow and steady, but there's not many things in the Jewish community that, that if you could look at a decade and, and it, was, it had slow and steady growth. Um, so I, we think it's still a growth industry. And I think post COVID, there will be a uh, continued demand for uh, Jewish camp experiences. Now, one of the initiatives you'd mentioned is how you bring together the different camp directors and the different development directors. I know from hearing about that effort here in the Midwest, in Chicago in particular, that it's probably the only place where you will have Haredi camps together with reform camps, with non-denational camps all coming together. Is that, um, how do you do it? <laughs> Look, I, I, I think that's really been a secret of, of the success of the foundation of, of bringing people and, and, and uh, enrolling people in the collaborative collective effort. And the whole thing is the sharing across the board you know, if I think the example, your own son had made a contact on security, on Department of Homeland Security, I think out of Milwaukee, and was able to then to get his colleagues in other camps in Wisconsin to get that security resource to, uh, to uh, help evaluate and assess their uh, properties and upgrade uh, on, from a security basis. So that was just one example, but each person has uh, an experience. We're seeing even right now, um, we're calling them COVID keepers. What are the things from COVID that camps have learned that they've actually said, you know what, it's actually worked better, this aspect. Let's say it's either the drop-off or the return home and buses or, um, you know, luggage delivery. There's lots or, or of the things. No, or the no visitor days. No visitor <laughs> days. You're exactly right. What are those COVID keepers? And I think that sharing across the board is, is something we're gonna make sure after this summer gets shared out. Um, and, uh, and, and I think that's what people have appreciated, what the camp professionals have appreciated about um, our work at the foundation. There was a lot, uh, throughout this year, a lot of sharing on what the uh, mitigations camps were gonna do to, to address COVID. And all of that got shared across the system and um, I, I think that speaks well of the field and that by working together, we, we all grow uh, and all boats rise. Are there camps in the Jewish world who won't associate with the foundation for Jewish camp? So um, we have criteria. Uh, number one, we have uh, criteria. Um, I think basically five big uh, things. Camps have to be a nonprofit. 501c3 or the Canadian equivalent. Um, they have to have a Jewish mission, an articulated Jewish mission. They have to celebrate Shabbat, not Shomer Shabbat, but celebrate Shabbat as a different day of the week. So many of the camps uh, that are dressing all in white and have uh, tablecloths and, and flowers on, on Friday night, but it may not be a kosher dinner, but it's still the favorite night of the week for, for all of the, the kids. Um, so Shabbat. Um, that Israel is part of the programmatic curriculum. 
and again, oh, as broad tent around uh, Israel, but, um, and as part of that, we have a record number of shlichim that have come from Israel that are in camps this summer, particularly successful this summer because Israel was one of the only countries where uh, international staff could come in. So there was even more demand for shlichim than, uh, than, than uh, we brought in, but almost a record number of shlichim are, are in and the Jewish agency does a great job with that. But that builds a connection uh, between Israel and, and, and the camp communities. Um, and then our aspiration is that camp is a repetitive thing, that uh, it's not a one and done, but that you come back year after year and you grow um, each year. So within that, uh, there are camps that, uh, you know, that maybe aren't fully 501c3s, um, so they're not in. Or they, uh, mo many, of our, many of our grants come with a criteria that is developed by the foundations or the funders that uh, give these grants. And uh, a lot of them are targeted more to outreach uh, type camps. So they may not be giving to, let's say the Haredi camps or the more Orthodox camps. And that's a, I mean, I wish we could uh, find those funds and support uh, those camps as well, but we have to work with the definitions that funders uh, put, put on, on them. Now, several years ago, I remember there was an issue re around the, around Israel and some of the camps where some of the counselors had come in and they were advocating positions that were not necessarily within the mainstream of Zionism, uh, to be kind. Yeah. Um, and the camps were trying to deal with that. Is that something that's still going on in camps, in the Jewish camping? So uh, I, I remember, you know, those, those stories. And uh, I think the, uh, the camps, since then have, have really taken time to articulate what their, um, that one, they're educational, these are educational institutions. So they're, they're really trying to create relationships and to create um, a time for learning and, uh, and sharing. And uh, just as Israelis, they're, the Israelis are divided among, you know, from a, you know, on, on different issues politically. So we know there's going to be different, uh, different positions taken and uh, uh, among, uh, among the people that are participating. The official camp position, though, is, um, you know, still, I mean, we're big temp, but defined as still the centrality of the state of Israel as a, um, as a independent um, democratic state. Uh, and able to, uh, uh, to, you know, determine its, uh, you know, for self-determination. Um, and I think that that still um, applies across the board. I would say this year, what we're hearing is they're mostly dealing with COVID and the joy of just being together. We haven't heard too much of, uh, you know, challenges uh, programmatically that way. So I'm going to throw you one. I'm not sure you're ready for this one, but what was your fam favorite camp experience growing up in camp? There was an wow. event, a program, or something you remember? Well, I, I, I suppose I, I will say this to you that I, I, I think for me, learning, I was very caught up in right, learning the proper Nusach for davening. Wow. So I, I, I took special interest in, in developing what the weekday whole Shachri Minchumar of different Nusach versus Shabbat and different Shachri versus Minchumar. So that was always an important thing uh, for me personally. And I, I, I take that, uh, I've taken that with me. Um, the biggest thing that has stayed with me is uh, the friendships 
And I remember writing letters in the days of, of, of letters to my camp friends. What was it about the North Woods of Wisconsin that, ha- that made a connection that we're still these close friends, even though I, I grew up in Cincinnati, we were all at different high schools, different colleges, but I still feel closest to those friends. And now that I hear that in, in this job and, and people are, you know, still talk about it, it is the friendships that uh, have stuck with me now uh, for uh, a couple of decades. During, while, while we're talking, you've got a shout out from Mark Seymour. Ah, <laughs> wonderful, wonderful friend, a wonderful guy and, and doing great, great support for Jewish camps and, and the field of Jewish camp. So you were at Ramad during Bert Cohn's time or David Soloff's time? Well, it was the last, my first summer was the last of Bert Cohn's and the first of Rabbi Soloff. So, uh, um, Ronnie Gar. Yeah, it was there. In the, huh? Was Ronnie Gar there? Simcha the Gars were there. Yeah. Okay. And um, so I was, uh, 74 was my first uh, summer. Um, I think I told you the story. My, uh, I grew up in Cincinnati. My rabbi, Rabbi Goldfeder of blessed memory, told my parents in my bar mitzvah, you need to send him to Ramah. And my parents, they just did whatever the rabbi said. It was a different generation. Rabbi, maybe- No, uh, nowadays, exactly the same. At KINS, I tell them what to do and they just do it. It's perfect. They they (laughs) just do it. Well, my parents followed what the rabbi said and and I went to Ramah and it really did change the trajectory of my life. Wow, And, and those friends you still have, I think it's the same thing that I can say people I grew up with. I was just in Israel a couple of uh, last week. And when we met mm-hmm. some people in the trying to place where people were in Bnei Akiva, we had something called the Shevet. That was your age group. And the mm-hmm. uh, first question of people is, what Shevet were you in? And it's, we still have it 40 years, 50 years later. Those kind of questions were driven by the youth movements and by the camps. It made such a tremendous impact on all of us. Is What drew you to work for the foundation? Well, that's a, it's a great question and a great story. I had uh, been in the food industry, consumer packaged goods for 20 some odd years and uh, started at General Mills in Minneapolis, then uh, Campbell's Soup in, in uh, New Jersey and Philadelphia, ultimately Manischewitz. Um, and I, uh, we sold the Manischewitz company and I was out looking for my next food or beverage job. And I got called by a headhunter. The foundation was looking for... Uh, for new leader and they were specifically looking for someone with branding strategy and branding experience uh, from say the corporate world. And um, I started meeting the folks, kicking the tires and, uh, and it was just marvelous. Not your typical nonprofit. This is a, a foundation that is operating. And, and I say this about camps. These are camps are businesses. Their nonprofit is their tax status, but they need to operate at the highest level of consumers, of customer service. Um, their brands that need to be nurtured and and uh, and grown, and uh, so it actually has fit very well with my my background. It's the best product that I've sold in my career, so uh, I feel you know great about it, and it's sort of building on on you know, all of my past experiences. Oh, it sounds, it sounds actually a lot of fun to be able to be, to be part of camp at the foundation. The impact it has had on, on all of the Jewish camping world is extraordinary. I know there are other foundations also that are looking at Jewish camps, 
but you've been able to bring together all of these forces and spend so many years working at it. You know, you, you, you do say, I, I think it's worth saying though, the COVID experience, I think for all of us uh, is, is so exhausting and the uncertainty, the anxiety that we all felt, but for sure in the field of camp, remember last uh, May of 2020 as camps one by one had to announce their decisions not to open and how painful that decision was. Well, we stuck to it together. We got through it. Um, we, uh, with the su generous support of philanthropists and federations, donors and foundations, the collective efforts, we saved the field for 2020 and together learned to open. And those announcements of disappointment became announcements of reopening and the joy of coming back together. I think it's a great metaphor. I hope for our community that we, we're getting through this. We, we'll get through the pandemic and uh, hopefully we return to something that is uh, even better than what was before. Well, and, and that's the perfect place for us to end the conversation today with a, with a great hope for the future. Thanks for all that the Foundation for Jewish Camp does for our community, both in Chicago and around North America. It's really something special. And it's been a pleasure to schmooze with you, Jeremy. I thank you for your time. And thank I you, encourage Reverend. everyone, camp is more important than almost anything else you could ever provide for your child. Day school is critical. It's the blood of what we do, but camp is something that provides them the opportunities for growth like nowhere else. So thank, thank you. you so very, very much. And regards to all of the mutual friends that we've discovered. Yeah, good. All <laughs> Have right. a wonderful day. Thanks Bye -bye. so much, Rabbi.